Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Oh, golly gee whiz, the Kings and the Blue Jackets are going to three-on-three overtime. That'll start in a few seconds. The Senators ringing up the Rangers tonight. 6-2 lead with a minute 30 to go. Early in the third period, Detroit with a 4-1 lead on Buffalo. Also early in the third, Islanders 2, Sharks 1. Second period, Nashville and Chicago even at 2 Wild leading the Flames 1-0, about 8.5 minutes left in the first period. Avalanche have a 1-0 lead on the Ducks, 15 minutes into that game. And coming up in about half an hour, the Hughes Bowl, Devils at the Canucks. Oilers start a six-game homestand tomorrow against Carolina. Face-off show starts at 6 o'clock here on 6.30. Chad, the Oilers have won four straight as they start a six-game homestand. Your scoreboard presented by Cougar Paint and Collision. Our family helping your family for 40 years. He's like family to me, the longtime technical producer of the show, Kellen Aww. Kennedy. Kellen, what's going on? Oh, the unofficial off-topic topic of the show today, the development of the ice resurfacing. Okay, well, <laughs> we, we, this is, this is, we, we've truly uh, achieved something when uh, our 14 loyal listeners and the Kings win it. 33 seconds in overtime. No, nah, it was close. Drew Doughty with a one-timer from the left side. So they come back from a 3 nothing deficit to beat the Blue Jackets 4-3 in overtime. We, we, we know uh, when our 14 listeners are just coming up with the off-topic topic for us, we've truly achieved uh, broadcasting yes, then. Yes, exactly. All right. So, <laughs> what do we, what, By the way, Gene Pritzpay is going to be on in about 10 minutes telling mm-hmm. the story about making Christine Sinclair cry. Yes. Uh, well, we'll start Big with... Big meanie Gene. Yes. Genie the meanie. Well, let's find out what the context is first, and then we'll, okay. we'll save I'm our judgment so, for sorry. later. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, Brandon texting it says uh, he remembers Eckville, Alberta held on to their tractor resurfacer combo way too long before the community could replace it with new age technology so uh all right interesting (laughs) uh we also got ls uh, sorry yeah ls west of edmonton texting it says uh reed we're about the same age i grew up in the east and the first zamboni i remember was a ford tractor with resurfacing machine on the back of my dad's uh oh it cuts off there i would would think it would be uh on the back of my dad's tractor i think that's where it cut off but anyway he's uh, also it it was his old man's ford Oh, oh, maybe. If yeah. anybody gets that reference, no, bonus points. Uh, well, yeah, he, that's what it was in Evansburg. It was a, it was like a farm tractor, and yeah. it had some kind of an ice resurfacing thing attached to it that got dragged behind it. I don't know if Zamboni made it or some other company, but yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes on to add that his uncle was the rink attendant, and he is still working to Zamboni, and he is ninety this year. So where's this? Uh, he's so LS is west of Edmonton. Uh, I'd like uh, if he can text back and say where uh, his uncle is. Your the, uncle uh, might be a good back. guest for this show. Yeah, mm-hmm. email me inside sports at six thirty chad dot com. For sure. That's incredible. Yeah, and if you're busy driving or something, just send a text message to yes, me. Yes, don't email I'll, while yeah. you're driving. I'll get it to read, for sure. Not a problem. Well, unless your steering wheel has a keyboard. That's distracted that's, driving. That's, Can't that's do that. That's next, illegal. That should be our next invention, Kellen. 
Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. No, no. So, uh, and we're talking also about uh, restaurants and uh, hockey experiences with tournaments and restaurants and that stuff too, because Kelly hit on that as well. Uh, Norman a combine text again and says, "Hey Reed, way back when uh, I took the wife to High Steakhouse downtown. Uh, we sat down, ordered, and the LA Kings walked in. R- R- Kelly Rudy, uh, Yari Curry, etc. There was no Gretzky. All of the all of the staff in the restaurant went to the team. We waited." almost two hours for our meal we were so disappointed the evening ruined because of a bunch of overpaid athletes lol that's from well, Norman uh, high steakhouse is uh that's where craft is now right in uh, rice howard so. way oh yeah that's where it used to be right i think that's yeah. where or it was one building over it was I, yeah it was, I, it was in there somewhere it was yeah. definitely down rice howard way if i remember correctly yeah yeah mm-hmm. for sure and uh, farmer ed just texted in tonight saying, Hi, Reed, I want to apologize for being a, uh, well, a, a smart ass at times. Perhaps it's the canned ham or possibly some other canned goods. But tonight I'm cheery and I can't wait for my chance to get a t shirt. Thanks from Farmer Ed. Okay. I, I don't remember Farmer Ed being, maybe I've called Farmer Ed sassy. I don't know. I'm sure he's fine. Uh, all right. <laughs> that's, that's all he had to say? That's, that's all he had to okay, say. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, we can give him a T-shirt. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll hit him back up. And uh, a quick one here from Randy from Lloyd as well. Says, hi, Reed and Kellen. I totally don't get it. You say tomorrow's game won't start until 7.50 yard time, which makes it 10 to 10 in the Eastern time zone just because of TV coverage. How many people are still going to be able to watch the game at such a late hour, especially Carolina Hurricanes fans? If the NHL would consider starting Eastern games one hour earlier, then maybe the fans in the Western time zones would not have to wait until 8 p.m. to watch our local teams. I still remember growing up watching the NHL and always came on at 6 p.m. our time, which made it 4 p.m. in the East. That's from Randy from Lloyd. Uh, well, 6 p.m. our time would be 8 in the East, yes. Uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Randy. I, I know. It's it's frustrating. Well, we had that one game in Chicago last year. It started at what, like almost 9 o'clock Chicago mm-hmm. time, almost 8 o'clock here. Yep. So that was kind of weird. That well, was because of the TV. Playoff no, I know. I, I know. I, like, I... I understand what everybody's saying, and I, I hate to kind of be that guy that just throws his hands up in the air and shrugs, but that's sort of how I feel. We can complain all we want, but the TV will will get what they want, and, and I know what you mean. It's, it's uh, okay, well, let's put McDavid on American television. Well, okay, he's going to be on at, yeah, 10 to 10 in the Eastern time zone for all the big cities, New York, Philadelphia, Boston, Washington, all those places. But I guess they figure getting the people to watch the, the first half of the game is, is maybe better than nothing. But, yeah, I, I, I know about that. But, uh, I mean, we talked about that with, with hockey, with uh, – with, with the CFL for sure, uh, and then plus sometimes these leagues are working around the NFL, which <laughs> TV dictates a lot there too, but the NFL kind of runs the show on Sunday and Monday and sometimes Thursday and sometimes on Saturdays when they, <laughs> when they get into December and into the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I hear what that, that listener is, is saying, but I, I think we're we're going to be at the whim of, uh, of television scheduling for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, one more quick one for you here, Reed. Uh, there we go. Kevin texting and saying, I believe Fawcett, Alberta, north of Westlock, still has a tractor Zamboni combo. Really? So, there we go. They still Where, exist. Where's Fawcett, Alberta? Fawcett, Alberta, north of Westlock, apparently, according to Kevin on the text. Fawcett, Alberta. We might have to tap into that story. I see what you did there. Yeah, people are like, uh, people probably saw that coming and were like, please don't do it, Reed. Please don't do it. Oh, I did it. Don't. Uh, 
Uh, where is... Well, it's not that far from Edmonton. It's only 120 kilometers north of Edmonton. I ah. should know more about Fawcett. Why do I not know more about Fawcett? Uh, well, now I do. I know something. I know where it is. It's it's just southwest of Athabasca. Ah, okay. Yeah, north of Westlock. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's I appreciate that. That's fun hearing the old rink stories and that they're still using some uh, old school resurfacing equipment, so to speak. We'll uh, we'll turn on the faucet of tears with Gene Principe when we get back. Your home for all the news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Starting in about uh, 20 minutes or so, Christine Sinclair's final game as a member of the Canadian women's soccer team. Of course, she'll continue to play uh, pro here for the next year. But uh, today's the final one at Christine Sinclair Place in Vancouver. That is what BC Place is being called tonight. She's an absolute Canadian legend, one of our all-time greats in sports I think uh, men or women absolutely and uh, a big part of her story was uh, what she did in 2002 here in Edmonton at the uh, at the U20 tournament Canada did have to settle for uh, for the silver medal but that's uh, sort of when well that isn't sort of that is when uh, when I remember first uh, hearing about her and uh, a lot of uh, people were very lucky to I, I actually have never interviewed Christine Sinclair this gentleman has Sportsnet's Gene Principe is on the line Gene thanks for taking time to hop on the show tonight I really appreciate it no problem Reed. when you get to be old you end, you end up interviewing almost everybody <laughs> somehow, somehow well, some way so uh, yeah thank you for having me on yeah thanks for hopping on um all right, let's. I'm just going to dive right in because I've been teasing it for the last hour. Um, what is the story of making Christine Sinclair cry? Yeah, well, uh, as you mentioned, uh, that that tournament took on a, a huge life of its own uh, for some of your younger listeners. I mean, they filled Commonwealth Stadium in in the lead up to the final, and and it was huge. And I had actually worked. They had a group out in. Um, uh, in Victoria, so I had done work out in Victoria through the opening portion of the tournament. Of course, Canada was situated in Edmonton, so I kind of watched it uh, long distance. And then I actually had had booked some holidays because none of us thought this was going to turn out to be what it what it did. And then one of my bosses said, "Hey, this is becoming a big tournament. Can you work as like a host sideline?" I'm like, "Sure, of course." Like I, I love soccer, and and it was a wonderful time. And uh, if I remember correctly, Canada lost to U.S. in the final. Is that right? Yeah, one nil. I just one, want to right. quickly throw this in, Gene. Uh, Christine had 11 goals in that tournament, yeah. including five in a 6-2 win over England in the quarterfinal. So, yeah, yeah. And, yes. and unfortunately, <laughs> I asked her about what could have or should have been her 12th goal. Uh, she had a shot, uh, a chance, like, if she wasn't in the six-yard box, she was just out. Like, it was between maybe the top of the six-yard box and the penalty mark or penalty kick spot. So she was eight, nine yards out. Like, glorious chance. And I, I think it was to tie. It, it wasn't to take the lead. And so after the game, the match, I'm, I, you know, we got to interview her. And I'm like, I don't know. Do I ask her? Do I not ask her? Do I ask her? Do I not ask her? The, you know, the the person in me felt like I don't, I don't. She knows. Everyone knows who watched the game. Uh, but the reporter in me, which isn't that journalistic, as we all know, thought, 
uh, you know, people at home are probably kind of wondering about it. So I, I soft sold it, but it made her cry. Um, and I felt terrible about it. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. We didn't have, well, I don't even know if we had social media back then. If we did, it was, it was a blip in the screen, right? Like it yeah. was nothing. And so there wasn't a bunch of reaction. But I remember we had a little wrap-up party after. And two of my bosses, um, you know, one said you had to ask her, like there was, you know, you had to ask her. And the other one said, how could you ask her that? She's like an amateur athlete, teenager. Um, He wasn't rude about it, but he was just giving his point of view. So I I took that as maybe people were 50-50 on whether I should have asked her or not. It wasn't how could you miss it? It was a sitter like you should have scored. It was more like, you know, just a simple what happened on that play, which then left it in her hands to explain. So she ended up crying. Yeah, I felt terrible about it. And I actually apologized to her because I, 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 I don't see her a lot, but I have covered her subsequently in Edmonton and other places. And I uh, I remember apologizing to her a couple years later when I saw her again. And she said, oh, no problem. You know, like she's a teenager. She kind of got through it and got past it. And either A, she didn't remember or B, she didn't care at that point. But it did feel real awkward uh to, to not only to ask her, but to think about whether I should ask her. Yeah, well, I I understand what you were going through for sure, and that, that was live. Was that a live post it was game? Live, yeah. yeah, yeah so it was live post game, yeah, yeah. And and you're right. So she would have been 19 at the time, and yeah. and clearly, even though, I mean, she, she wouldn't have been. I'm sure she'd been interviewed, but probably nowhere near used to it as she got to as she as she got older and got more established. But but you're right. There are those key moments in games where you feel like, all right, that's part of the story of the game, and this person yeah. participated. And, and I know I think your approach is like mine. You don't say something like, "How do you miss?" You say something like, "Hey, yeah. you know, you had a great chance. What did you see on that play?" You, you yeah, know, you just kind of kind of get them to talk about it. But still they know they're talking about a, a moment of failure regardless right. of how you put it right and and i i think you know the way it was put to me is if that was uh, a professional athlete who was paid millions in the opinion of one of my bosses then i totally you know you would have to ask it but in that case uh, he, he felt like i i shouldn't have in the other one um, uh, who luckily was the higher boss. <laughs> he, he did like it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I definitely struggled because right from the moment they said, well, you're talking to Christine, I kept thinking about it. And, and you know, I will say, too, it wasn't my first question. It was my last one because uh, I didn't want to start with that, but kind of started about just the event and how Canada came to love these young ladies and the growth of the game. And then, you know, at the end, kind of hit her with the, with it. So, yeah, and I, I don't know, like, like so many things, Reed. I'm not sure if, if I was right or wrong, but I, I think you and I and people who have the opportunity, the access uh, to interview athletes, we're an extension of the person sitting at, you know, or in his car listening to you or in his home or someone watching me on TV or online. So we try and ask what we think people would want asked so that one was a split decision on yeah. on, on it but I don't really regret it um, in fact I, I I don't know if I would have I don't think I would have regretted I felt better asking it than not asking it I think is the way I would suggest uh, the conversation would well, be 21 years later yeah I, I agree with you and uh, it would have been tough um, obviously 
to, to get that emotional react. Like it, it almost might have been easier if she would have just got angry and told you to go to hell or something. Yeah, for you know? sure. That but, been, we would all been happier. But, but at the same time, you might get a really good answer, right? You might say, I know you risk getting someone upset or emotional, but she might say, Gene, I, I've had that chance a hundred times and I've scored yeah. on 99 and I just didn't yeah. hit the ball. You know, I mean, you might get something yeah. like that. Uh, Gene, we're in the last couple minutes here. Uh, I mean, you're, you're, you have a lot of knowledge of soccer. I mean, she, she's incredible. I, I mean, she's yeah. up there with the, the greats of Canadian sport for sure. Oh, I agree. And I, and I wonder for sure. I listen, scoring goals and scoring goals is soccer and soccer is not easy uh, for anyone anywhere in, in any country at any level, club or international. And what she's been able to accomplish is incredible. And to do it over the course of, you know, 20 years, uh, you know, to have that kind of longevity is astounding. I, I wonder as, as large of a persona as Christine is, as you said off the top, for for many years, and that was kind of her coming out party. She sort of played in anonymity, and and you had to be a diehard soccer fan to either know her or follow her. Part of that had to do with technology, not being able to see her play at that time. There there weren't women's pro leagues. If if she if Chris, whoever the next Christine Sinclair is, uh, if she's maybe four or five years into her career or starting it, who knows what she'll be like in fifteen years when it comes to her her sort of flavor around the world. As we know, uh, soccer stars are are international. Um, hockey stars can be but not many of them certainly wayne and mario so uh and i've always found her to be quite quite gentle and eloquent uh and friendly and kind which just adds to the i guess the immortalization of someone who uh you see on the pitch one way but is is uh, uh quite a person off the pitch as well Gene, great perspective. Thanks for sharing that story. Really enjoy talking to you, of course, and I'll see you at the morning skate tomorrow, my friend. Okay, no problem, pal. Take care. That is Gene Prince Bay from Sportsnet checking in some uh, memories of an interview he did with Christine Sinclair in 2002, and it uh, made her quite emotional. Wild and Flames, one nothing for Minnesota after the first period. All right, thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. So tomorrow, 4.30 for Oilers now, 6 o'clock for the face-off show, and then the uh, game between the Oilers and the Hurricanes will start at around 7.52. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening to Inside Sports. Take care. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.